0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Community Conversations. I'm your host, Roger Colton. Did you go to a religious service this week? During this week, two major religions, both Christians and Jews, celebrated one of their holiest weeks of the year. But not everyone in Belmont identifies with Christianity or Judaism. To many Belmont residents, this week is just another week. How does a community such as Belmont embrace its religious diversity? Today, we're going to talk about that question. Accordingly, for today's show, I have invited Pastor Dane Helsing, pastor of the Beacon Community Church, to talk with us about the ups and downs of living in a community such as Belmont that has lots of religious diversity. Pastor Helsing, welcome to Community Conversations, and thanks for taking time out of your morning to come talk with us.
1: Well, thank you, Roger. I'm just delighted to be here. Thank you for the opportunity to to share.
0: Uh, before we start talking about religious diversity, I- I'd like to actually talk about the, uh, your church uh, for a few minutes. Can you tell us about the the Beacon Community Church? How long has it been around? How small or big is it?
1: Sure. We started a year and a half ago, uh, September 27, 2015. So the church is 18 months old. Uh, we, in terms of numbers, have roughly 70 people. That'd be about 50 adults, 20 children. And we meet just up Trapello Road from the Belmont Media Center at Avalon Dance and Fitness. We rent there on, on Sunday mornings.
0: And what uh, you said that you have 20 kids. Uh, what kind of children's programming in particular do you have?
1: We do. So we have uh, toddlers, a big toddler room, and there is singing and a, a brief Bible story that would go with that. Uh, we have a pre-K and a K class that is, is more structured. They have a more, more content, so they'll do a, a more extended Bible study there. And then we have an elementary class that is first through fourth grade that meets only during the sermon. And so right before I get up and preach, I usually preach about 35, 40 minutes, they'll be dismissed and they have their class, and then they come back after those 35 minutes and, and join us for singing at the end.
0: What, uh, what distinguishes the uh, Beacon Community Church from other churches in, in Belmont? Is that a silly question?
1: I, I don't think it's a silly question. I think people are curious about that when they go and, and look at a different church. People have a, a specific um, thing that they're looking at in terms of a, a faith community. And so I would say our church desires to declare the gospel of Jesus— his perfect life, His sacrificial death, and His triumphant resurrection from the grave. And so when you when you come on a Sunday, we sing about the message of Jesus, we preach about that, uh, we read about it in the Bible. So it shapes our community, so that message declared, but then the message isn't just declared, it's displayed in the community. And so we want to be a church that's just not about Sundays, but we're involved through all the other days of the week, displaying the very character of Jesus in our community through loving acts of service, kindness, uh, generosity—just ways that we can bless people and and display the character of Jesus in our community. So, display and declare who Jesus is,
0: and that is uh, somewhat manifested in your name. I, I have to yes. tell you that I I'm intrigued by your but ne- <clears throat> excuse me, by your name. The Beacon Community Church, it's not le- uh, like it's the First Baptist Church mm-hmm. or the United Methodist Church mm-hmm. of Belmont, but it seems like there has been, not that not everybody puts thought into their name, but the Beacon Community Church seems to have a particular thought behind it.
1: We, we do, and I'll tell you a, a short story about that. We actually came up with a short list of names roughly two years ago. Um, it was the, the spring of 2015. Uh, We were about to start six months out uh, and we came up with a short list of names. And then we asked the community, we polled the community one Saturday morning to see what they would, what if, if a new church was starting in town, what name appeals to them the most? Because we wanted to be a church that's about the community. And so we simply talked to about 100 people one Saturday morning in March, people in Cushing Square, Belmont Center, and Waverly Square, and just asked, of these three names, what do you like the most? And far and away, Beacon Community Church was the one that they wow. preferred. Um, which was interesting. We did the short list of names all dealt with light and community. We knew that we one of the scripture verses uh, in Matthew chapter five that shapes our 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 ethos as a church is nobody lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but they put it on the table so that the light can shine to everybody in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that people can see and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And so we want to be a church that shines light into the community. And so that's why we went with Beacon, and it's very Boston, Beacon Hill, Beacon Street. Right. So,
0: yeah. right. Well, b- before we uh, move away from that, um, I-, I was reading the other day about the the conflict between the Progressive community and the evangelical community, and I think that everyone, no matter which uh, part of the divide you're on, there, um, there people believe there is a a conflict there. And yet, uh, what I was reading about was how the religious community really, and I well, let me finish the thought. The religious community really. Uh, has a commitment to community service. Mm. Uh, One of the uh, aspects of Bellman I was involved with was uh, building the Habitat for Humanity House. And Habitat for Humanity was organized and is run by evangelical Christians. Yes. Uh, Right? Uh, So community service is one big aspect of the Beacon Community Church.
1: It is, and we, we love to have our heads and hearts wrapped around the people and the community in ways that we can just serve tangibly. So we, we, we love to serve coffee to commuters on Wednesday morning in Belmont center and Thursdays in Waverly. Uh, we have a a monthly free movie for, for families at studio cinema. Jim Bramante has been wonderful at renting for low costs for us so that we can just bless families. Um, we love to serve meals at the fire department. Um, we clean up, Pleasant Street every year with Belmont Citizens Forum. So any way that we can serve, we 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 want to be involved in that.
0: Uh, uh, it, let's talk about religious diversity okay. in Belmont. Uh, d- there is an, or I think it rises to the level 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 of level of an organization, mm-hmm. uh, the Belmont Religious Council. Uh, are you a part of that? I
1: have connected with them through a friend, Joe Zaro, who I believe, he's, he's the pastor at uh, Plymouth Congregational Church, and I believe he currently is, he sits as the chair of the Belmont Religious Council. I've also met Doug John, who, sure. and as well as John Robotham at yes. St. John's, um, or St. Joseph's. Uh, so I know they, those gentlemen have worked tirelessly with Belmont Serves every Columbus Day, and we have plugged in and served at... Uh, Burbank School, landscaping, as well as there's every other year there's a mission trip that churches can send students to. I believe they've gone down to New Orleans a time or two. Um, so that's every other year that churches can send. So Belmont, the Belmont Religious Council, I believe, is oriented around serving together, different churches coming together and serving in the community and outside our community as well.
0: And there are uh, various ecumenical services I- in Belmont, right? The, the, uh, I haven't been to one.
1: There are. Um, we, for the last two years, have been a part of Belmont's interfaith Thanksgiving service. Yes, that's which that's the one that we've Which is to. not sponsored by the Belmont Religious Council, actually. Oh. That's actually birthed out of the Belmont Clergy Association, which Cheryl Minor at All Saints Church has spearheaded. So... Uh, once a month, on a Wednesday, all the clergy get together across denominations, across faith backgrounds at uh, a church in, in Belmont, and they just basically have coffee and check in with one another. It's very collegial, very friendship-oriented. But out of that, they, d- they decided to plan, a few years back, an interfaith Thanksgiving service, and they have a different speaker each, um, each year. And so I was able to, two years ago, share a message at that service. So that's, that's not a Belmont Religious Council sponsored. It's actually the Belmont Clergy Association. They're closely related, but sure. different, sir.
0: And as a, a, a member of the clergy, uh, do you have an opinion? I can't imagine you don't have an opinion about the the benefits of ecumenical activities or interfaith activities.
1: I think it's very important to enter dialogue with people who think very differently than you, uh, for two reasons. Number one, you're learning to love and serve and connect with other people, which is which is inherently good. But number two, it helps you formulate and bolster your own understanding of your own faith, to s- to seek out the evidence for why you believe what you believe. And so I don't think it's healthy to just circle up the wagons and cluster into your own little religious enclave where you're oblivious to what's going on outside. And so to, to love and serve and connect with other people, but also to understand your faith more necessitates you see seeing what other people believe and, and and then comparing that. Why do I believe what I believe? What is the evidence for that? So, yeah, I think it's healthy to dialogue with people who think differently than you.
0: Uh, one thing that it seems like that uh, I've run into over the years is there's a belief that— and my when I grew up, my parents— uh, uh, not on a daily basis, but on a periodic basis, were out knocking on doors uh, yes. for for our church. Yeah. Uh, and that was as a uh, a, a mission outreach sure. uh, to convert. Uh, a, and there is a feeling that the conversation leads to conversion. But what I hear you saying is that it's the ex- the exchange that is... Important. Whether you don't necessarily approach other people simply for conversion, you want to exchange ideas and explore your own beliefs relative to others. Did I restate that you, what you, you were trying you to say? You did. And,
1: and, and I would nuance that. I, I think I tend to think the the old door knocking for the purpose of conversion. I understand why why people have done. It. I think it can be uh, inherently. Offensive and, and off-putting and actually counterproductive. Uh, so Roger, I, I am in the evangelical camp and I and I do believe that the message of Christianity is one that has the power for change and transformation and conversion. I just think there are there are better avenues to to have somebody enter a conversation so that so that they can be transformed. And I just don't think an aggressive ramrodding something down somebody's throat is healthy, nor is it helpful. I think people have to explore the evidence, and then consider that, and continue to consider it in conversation with others in community. And I believe God works through that, and, and brings people to an understanding of His truth through that. So that that's how I would kind of re
0: restate sure. that. Yes. Yeah, I I, I understand, mm-hmm. or I hear what uh, what you're saying there. Uh, this week is Holy Week. Yes, it's Holy Week in the the Christian religion. Monday and Tuesday of this past week, uh, Passover started on Monday na- Monday night and went through Tuesday mm-hmm. night. Uh, can you talk about Ho- Holy Week uh, for a minute? Sure. Uh, it, it's uh, to let our listeners know where we are recording on a Thursday. So this sure. is Monday Thursday. This is Monday uh, Thursday. Our church.
1: Uh, doesn't have a Monday Thursday service. We do have a Good Friday service, but I have friends at Payson Park Congregational Church, and they're preparing for their their Monday Thursday service as well, which is always meaningful and it's a celebration of Jesus' uh, Last Supper with his disciples. Oftentimes, people will do a foot washing service as a part of Monday Thursday uh, traditionally, um, and then we'll celebrate the Lord's Supper. Uh, so it is a tremendously important week. Uh, it is. Uh, a wonderfully rich week with meaning and importance and and community orientation, and so uh, I was just inviting some some folks to our Good Friday service, and so so yeah, we we celebrate uh, the the death of Jesus on Good Friday, um, and how that that death uh, brings about hope and the promise of forgiveness and eternal life for all who believe and. His death is then vindicated on Easter Sunday when he rose from the grave physically and historically. And so we will we'll celebrate, remember his death on Friday, and then we'll celebrate his resurrection on Sunday. And it's very much a, a community event. We want to invite people to explore that with us and, and come and join us for a service.
0: And is there, a, for example, a Muslim equivalent to the Christian Holy Week?
1: I it's- would say there are the Muslim equivalent would be what, what? What is their focal time during the year, or their focal emphasis? And I would probably, I could could be wrong on this, but probably say the the month of fasting uh, yes. during Ramadan, which I believe is later this summer. So that that would be their emphasis, very much like Passover, Yom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah is for um, the Jewish community, um, and then Holy Week for for Christians as well as Christmas as well. So, and, yeah. uh,
0: do you find Belmont is a uh uh, homogeneous community from a religion perspective, or is it? Uh, uh, my feeling is that it's got quite a bit of diversity uh, to it.
1: I, I think it is quite diverse. I know historically, I've studied up on this. It was predominantly the the, the, the predominant uh, religious group would be Roman Catholics. Um, I, I think that there is, compared to twenty or thirty years ago, there's there is more diversity now. Um, I've I've seen that with. You know the Belmont Clergy Association. Just in conversations, people have been here way longer than I have, and they're probably the people <laughs> to ask. I, I've only been serving here for about two years, but uh, I do gather that there's there's growing diversity uh, within the town.
0: You know? Is it does a community, as a community, uh, benefit from religious diversity, in your opinion? And are there ways that it manifests itself? I guess that's the other way, too. Uh, and,
1: I, and I would say you asked a question early on in our conversation about just the benefit of interfacing with people who, who oh, think differently. Than it. So I, I, I do think that that, that is, is good for a community to begin to think, what do people believe and why do they believe that? And what is the evidence for that? So I'm all about exploration and education because, in in my opinion, Christianity is a reasoned faith. It is a thought through. It's a researched faith. And so we want to think, what is the evidence for this death and resurrection of Jesus that we're about to celebrate over the next couple of days, is that historically true? Is that accurate? And so, I'm all about exploring and dialoguing and and connecting with other people and asking them, "Why do you believe what you believe? What 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 has led you to that? What influences have shaped you?" So, I, I yes, I think that entering dialogue and having conversations with people is is a healthy thing.
0: And uh, let me try to spit back what what I think I just sure. heard because I'm learning as sure. I, I listen to you, uh, so this this is wonderful. Um, Good. The uh, the diversity presents different perspectives, and di- different people have different bases for their perspectives. Right. Perspectives. So, to the extent that there is an interaction, therefore, you not only learn about the basis for the other person's belief, but you can test your own beliefs. Uh, uh, against that basis,
1: agreed. And and I think t- to to spin that just one, you know, to turn that a little bit more, I I think if we're not interacting with others, sometimes that that comes out of a place of fear and insecurity of of our own understanding and our own kind of conviction. Like maybe I maybe I'm not as sure as I as I want to. So what what do we do? We kind of turn inward and not we don't want to be challenged. We don't want to be. We don't want to be pressed in on. So I, I think it ultimately helps your own understanding of your own faith if you can be challenged and asked questions about that, and to begin begin to develop a healthy defense of Yeah, this is why I believe what I what I believe. So um, yeah, it's it's healthy to have a conversation
0: and to take this another step. And I don't want to go too far because it, sure. it could uh, get us off track here, but. What what you're just talking about it isn't true simply for religion, but it, it could be in Agreed. today's world. Agreed. It could be just as true for political perspectives uh, as well.
1: Agreed. Yeah. Dialogue, dialogue, dialogue.
0: Yes, yeah. there is a uh, a growing Asian population yeah. in uh, in Belmont. Uh, do you see that through not only your uh, the your specific church, but your interfaith work or your work with the Belmont clergy?
1: Yes, certainly we see it in our, our congregation. We love hearing people's stories and different backgrounds who've come from uh, Asian countries, um, Mandarin speaking, Cantonese speaking, Korean speaking. Uh, I've noticed just in driving around town, there are several churches who are historic churches. They've been here for a long time. They have a Sunday morning service, but they rent their facility out in the afternoon to what uh, appears to be a maybe a, a Korean service. Uh, there are I know All Saints, and I believe uh, United Methodist Church as well um, has a congregation of of, kind of of Asian emphasis in the in the afternoons there. So I, I have seen that, and I think it's it's a it's a wonderful thing. Um, we've we've loved uh, interacting with people in our own congregation um, from those different countries. So
0: that's great. Uh, I want to remind our listeners that we are talking today with Pastor Dane Helsing. Uh, Pastor Helsing is. Pastor of the Beacon Community Church uh, here in Belmont, and uh, Pastor and Again, I want to thank you for uh, for joining us. Uh, I want to change uh, directions sure. a little here. Uh, I, it's uh, it still has to do with diversity and uh, and acceptance. But are you familiar with the the "Hate Has No Home Here" campaign? I've or heard. Of it? I've
1: heard of it. Truthfully, I haven't read up on it. As much, but I, I have heard of that, and uh,
0: it, it's an interesting campaign uh, in that it got uh, it was started at an elementary school in, uh, in Chicago. Okay, and the hate uh, there are uh, yard signs around that are uh, published in various uh, languages. Okay. that says hate has no home here, and the phrase was actually developed by a third grader. And right? uh, you would think that, you know, that's got to be an ad agency somewhere. But a third grader in Chicago mm. uh, came, came up with that. Uh, I didn't know that. What, uh, what I wanted to ask mm-hmm. was uh, it, Belmont is a small town. Uh, sure. It is uh, in a small town sometimes can be closed. In a small town can sometimes facilitate being very uh, connected uh, insular, yeah. Or insular, that's the word. Uh, do you find particular challenges or particular opportunities from uh, being in a small town? I, Belmont is a
1: small town. I mean, 25,000 people, four and a half square miles. It's not very big, but, but it's close enough to Boston. What what I found is there are enough people who are regularly moving in along the Trapello Road corridor because – they jump on the 73 bus and they go down to Harvard for a grad program or an internship or a professorship. And so I found that Belmont can also be, as established as it is, it can also be very transient. So you have internationals coming through, people from different faith backgrounds coming through. So uh, I don't necessarily see heavy-rooted insularism in, in uh-huh. Belmont. I think there is, there is, just, there is growing diversity in 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 the town. So I I I don't necessarily see great barriers uh, to that. I th- there are there are some who maybe have been here for 30 or 40 years and they've asked, well why do we need a new church, you know? Why so so we we've had a little bit of, you know, come up against sort of some impediments in in that regard, you know. Um and but how not, do you answer
0: that? And why, does, why did Belmont—because you're not the only new church. There we're, we're not. We're there not. Was Mount, another Hope, Mount Hope Mount in Hope. Waverly is right.
1: my friend Brian Krogh um, is the pastor there. They started two weeks before us, so they're about a year and a half as well. Well, I, I would say this. There's 25,000 people in Belmont. How many would you say are connected to some kind of faith community?
0: I, I would guess, and this is strictly a guess, 20 or 30 percent.
1: Yeah, I, w- I would argue that it's, m- <clears throat> excuse me, much less than that. Really? Yes. Uh, and, and, and I think for, for us, as we think about th- th- again, I'm, I'm coming from the Christian background. Sure. Uh, we believe that the message of Christianity, the message of who Jesus is and what he's done, of hope and forgiveness through his death and resurrection, is for everybody. And so it troubles me to know in a town, 25,000 people, even if 10% of them, there's a lot of work. There's a lot of work to sure, do, and so sure. uh, that—that's at the end of the day, for us, you know, I—I I, I think there's great need and there's great opportunity to be able to share that message, and to show that message in community, to declare and display, and so that—that's how I typically answer that. Um, there's a lot of people, who I think, might be interested in having a conversation, you know, about about Christianity.
0: And I'd like to go back to the the analogy that I drew a few minutes ago sure. between religion and, and politics. Uh, yes. One hears in politics today that the animosity uh, that is so prevalent in politics mm-hmm. is actually driving people away from politics and participation and in, in, in civic engagement. Mm-hmm. Uh, is uh, some of the religious animosity and feel free to disagree with me when I assert that as a fact, but uh, does the religious animosity drive people away from religion altogether?
1: I think so, Roger, and I think one of the ways that this manifests is um, if you walk into a church and automatically you hear another people group castigated uh, or just vitriol and, and, and harsh speaking, Towards other human beings, I think that that is yes a turnoff. It's it's inherently a turnoff, and and I and I and I will own this as a as a as a Christian. Christians have done lots of foolish things historically, lots of harmful things, lots of hateful things, and I think we need to own that, ask forgiveness from God for those things, and walk forward in in newness of of, of life, and 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 seek to change that, and so. It, the hatred, the vitriol, yes, it's destructive, and it drives people away. Uh, I've had conversations with people in town who have grew up maybe affiliated with a certain church, but they've largely largely fallen away from that because of some harms and hurts and abuses and so forth. And so, yes, Roger, the animosity, the vitriol, it, it's harmful. There's no question.
0: One thing that uh, that I, I'm a fan of, as you, you've mm-hmm. heard, is the notion of not only religious diversity, but moving from, in, in, in my mind, this is a pretty clear-cut uh, line, but uh, the notion of moving from diversity to pluralism. Mm. A, and what I mean when I talk about that distinction is diversity simply means that you have a bunch of mm-hmm. different religions. A bunch—that's a term of art. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Pluralism implies a, a, an accept an acceptance of the the diversity. Uh, what does a town? Uh, it sounds like y- uh, you work a lot with the uh, the clergy association, mm-hmm. with the inner, uh, uh religious council. What does a town such as Belmont do to? move from diversity to pluralism I, I think
1: that there's an important nuance here in, in talking about pluralism so I, I have great okay. kind of friendships and you know collegial interactions with uh, people in the Cl- Belmont clergy Association um, but that doesn't mean that we agree with one another yes and, and I think where, where we take our cue Jesus had conversations with all kinds of different people. And he always did that in a gracious manner, and he always upheld the dignity of an, the other person that he was talking to, but he also challenged what they believed and asked why they believed that. And what if if you continue in that belief, what does that actually lead to? So, Roger, I'm not of the belief—some people can use the analogy pluralism—there are many paths up the same mountain. Uh, I, I'm not of that, of that oh, persuasion. Oh, you're not I, of that? But... I, I'm not of that persuasion. I don't think that's okay. fair. I don't think that that's fair— to what different faith backgrounds actually believe. There are, there are very competing claims. For example, if you look at what a Christian, what somebody from a Jewish background or from a Muslim background, there are similarities in there, but there are also great differences, for example, of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. Very different backgrounds, very different persuasions about that. They, they can't all be right. Right. So, so I, I think we have to respect the differences of them and not act like it's a hodgepodge, and it's all—it all goes to the same place. It's all the same meaning. I, I think that that washes out the distinctiveness of each each faith. So we have to acknowledge the differences, and then examine the evidence, and and let people come to to an understanding or a conclusion of their own. So I, I'm not comfortable with, oh, it's just a hodgepodge of pluralism, and it all comes out in the w-. well. You're 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 flattening the distinctiveness a- among those different faiths.
0: So. I, I hear you. I, un- yeah. I understand that. Uh, one quote that I, I read, and I'm going to try to do this off the top of my head, mm-hmm. but uh, about the uh, cooperation or about the mm-hmm. interfaith activities is—and uh, let me choose uh, Judaism and, and uh, Muslims, uh, Islam, mm-hmm. uh, as an example, that uh, we don't have to agree on Jerusalem to agree on how to build schools in Vietnam— uh, is that something that uh, your work with community service would seem? Yes, to I, I agree with that.
1: Yeah, I, I think so. Belmont serves, for example, I, I I enjoy that outreach because you have people who are religious and irreligious, people who are Jewish, Christian, Muslim. They're all serving the town together, and I think that that's a, that's a, that's a great uh, that's a great picture of partnership. Um, so, yeah, I think that if, if as, as we can come together, partner together, and do meaningful service in the community, though we have great differences as well in terms of the, 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 the nitty-gritty of those various faith persuasions. So, But I think there are things that we can definitely partner together and, and be a blessing to people in the town. Certainly. And we
0: can accept the differences. We don't deny the differences between the, the different religions in order to work together on things like that. Right. That's what I heard you say. Right. Yeah. Dialogue about
1: those differences, and the, and then research those differences, and come to an understanding. Of what, what, what is truth? What, what, what is? How do I move forward in the wisest possible way, given what I've explored and researched? So.
0: That's great. We're the, we're out of time. Okay. I, I'm sorry to say. Uh, this is. I've enjoyed wonderful. it, Roger. Thank it's, you. This has been. Uh, Fon, uh, I, again, I appreciate you taking time to be here. It's uh, not only a holy week, but it's, it's a busy week uh, for you, I imagine. So, it is. Uh, so thank you for coming today.
1: Thank you, Roger.
0: Uh, I would uh, uh, like, to, again, to thank uh, Pastor Helsing for joining us. Uh, I would like to thank you, the listeners, for tuning in. We've been talking today with Pastor Dane Helsing. Uh, Pastor Helsing is pastor of the Beacon Community Church here in Belmont, one of the two most recent uh, churches to join our Belmont community. You can listen to our Community Conversations podcast by accessing it online at the BMC Podcast Network at belmontmedia.org. And you can also download us from iTunes by searching for the BMC Podcast Network. I'm your host, Roger Colton. I will talk with you again in two weeks. Thank you for listening.